right. Shout out to Nate Marshall and uh, all the good writers in Chicago, uh, poet, poets and such. But uh, yeah, let's we're gonna finish up. Uh, finish up this show. Look at the East matchups and uh, maybe go over an all bubble team and stuff. And um, maybe we'll maybe we'll look at the the finalists for the 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 major awards too. They brought that up this week. Uh, three finalists for the major awards, but they got the bubble. They got the bubble specific awards too. So that's that's gonna be interesting. But let's look at the East right quick. One uh, eight, you got Milwaukee and Orlando. Two uh, seven will be uh, uh, Toronto and uh, Brooklyn. Three uh, six will be Boston and uh, Philly, which is always entertaining. And uh, four five, we're looking at Indiana and Miami. I guess there's a chance. Well, look, the home court doesn't matter. So, you know, it'll be four or five Miami and uh, in Indiana. So, of those matchups, what what's kind of spark your attention the most out of out of those matchups? I I guess the middle ones would probably be the uh, in Miami Indiana. You got the T.J. Warren uh, uh, the uh, Butler thing possibly popping off again. And like I said, uh, there's always chippy between Philly and uh, Boston. So, yeah, I, that's what I would. That's what sticks out to me. I guess. Look, well, with 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 Miami and and, and uh, Indiana too. See, I was looking forward to possibly Miami seeing uh, Milwaukee in the final in the conference final, but you that makes a heck of a of a semifinal matchup too. And it could be, that could be a real challenge for, for Milwaukee. They may need to get themselves right sooner than the conference final. Like I just said a minute ago, if, if yeah. Miami have ends up making it to the second round. Yeah. Miami is not a team to mess with. Uh, any, to be honest with you, any team with Jimmy Butler, is <laughs> a team that you don't want to mess with just because of what Jimmy Butler, Jimmy Butler brings to the table. He brings, tenacity he brings toughness he brings grind and grit but he also brings clutch shooting he brings um he's he's been the glue to a lot of teams that have been in the playoff runs um he was the, the main glue that he's made teams into playoff contenders that weren't yeah yeah uh, here in here in minnesota yeah and to be honest with you philly misses him too philly's yeah. missing him badly right now especially now Definitely. that ben simmons is gone so Definitely. At this point, you can uh, Jimmy Butler. You know what you're going to get out of Jimmy Butler every night, and the fact that he go, the history with T.J. Warren and the Pacers in general for Jimmy, going back to even with the even in the Bulls days, when Derrick Rose and, and those and those Bulls playoff teams will go against Indiana Pacers in the playoffs. Um, there's history for Jimmy Butler there, and this is only just an added layer to that extra chapter. Um, I'm honestly interested to see how Victor Oladipo is going to be because. He's coming off an injury. Um, they say T.J. Warren is technically hurt right now, so even Indiana's not a, not at full strength. But they have the main guys that 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 get that can help at least get them past the first, maybe the second round. So I'm interested to see how that matchup will go. And like you mentioned earlier, Boston and Philly that's always intriguing. Um, but it really is intriguing now, considering the fact that Ben Simmons is gone. Um, you wonder if Philadelphia will actually bounce back 
from that. And I think at this point, this is an evaluation moment for Philly. Going into the offseason, you really get to see who is the if the if you if really you should even keep the duo of Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. As of right now, it's looking yeah. kind of suspect. And you already saw what Philly is like without Joel Embiid when he's hurt. They had they were on a they went on a nice winning streak when Ben Simmons was, when it was just Ben Simmons earlier in the season. Now Ben Simmons is out. How do you evaluate the team when it's just Joel Embiid running the show? And that can actually help you figure out what your future is going to be. Um, as far yeah. as Boston, you know, Boston is Boston. They're, they're, I, I, you know, I come on the show and said they're really my dark horse team because of what they what they can provide. Having four four people that can get you a bucket at will, averaging twenty plus a game, that's um a deadly that's a deadly situation. Especially if offensively, you don't have much of an offense. Um, so yeah. it's a nice go to for that. So those are all intriguing teams, but obviously we highlighted on Milwaukee a little bit and the importance of Giannis continuing to develop and them making the finals. But at this point, you kind of got a question after Giannis, who's the, who's the go-to guy? We all thought it was Chris Middleton, and but he's been shown to be a little flaky. He doesn't always show up. Um, outside of that, you got a bunch of role players that fit their role, but are they really go-to players? Um, you, you really don't know. And that's always been the suspect question when it comes to the Bucks. If Giannis isn't going, doesn't have anything going, who's going to step up? And they still have to figure that question out, and it showed in the bubble. And that's why Toronto, for me, I think that's the team we really got to be careful on. And, and, and unfortunately, we don't talk about them enough, enough as we should, but Toronto is a team that, even without Kawhi Leonard, who helped them and was their finals MVP last year, and without Danny Green, who played a huge part in their success last year, they still continue to stay consistent and stick to who they know they are. It's another Popovich-run team, just with better talent. And you got to give props to Kyle Lowry, who showed up in the bubble. you got to give props to Pascal Siakam, who showed up. And we got to give a shout-out to Fred Van Fleet, Rockford native. Yeah. Um, you got to give props to him. He's really shown and coming to his own as a nice, solid backup option who this upcoming offseason, he's going to get paid. And depending, I don't know where it's, where it's going to be, but he's going to get a nice check coming this offseason for his resume with the Toronto Raptors. And Nick Nurse is arguably the best coach in the league right now, considering the fact that he knows how to keep his team playing on a consistent level, but it's also very schematic, which is something he took, obviously, from that Popovich tree. So Toronto's a, Toronto's a really interesting team that we over here talking about the Bucks and them making the finals. If the Heat don't stop the Bucks from going to the finals – Toronto's going may eventually be that team that can. And if they do. But they've proven they can. Yeah, yeah they've proven. And like I said, they've proven they can. So that's going to be interesting to, uh, to look for and something we cannot for sure dismiss. Yeah, I, I got a little bit more of my heart with, with Milwaukee, but I agree with you definitely on Toronto. And I was, I was going to go and I was thinking about their stability on the court, their coaching with Nurse. It may be the best in the East, but there is there is something that popped up today that may be an issue, and uh, Adrian Griffin with uh his 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 daughter apparently coming out with some very uh serious allegations towards him, and um you know, I advise y'all to look that up on Twitter. Uh, that could be something that could undermine them. Hope I hope you no, know, maybe it doesn't. I I don't you know. We can't. It's still early. 
but that's not the type of thing you want to see at this point of the season, whether you're in a bubble or not. And, uh, you know, I, some people I know have contextualized that in in, in the way with, uh, with the Bulls because Griffin has been mentioned as a possible head coaching candidate for the Bulls, and that may be out the door now with him if, if these allegations are to be believed or, or to be confirmed, I should say. And, um, you know, that's, that's just something difficult there. It's the type of thing that you definitely don't want to see as a team. But Toronto, like we say, is a team that is built well on the court. They 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 know how to deal with going deep in the playoffs. So uh, you know, all things considered on the court, they they're definitely a threat. And as number two, they'll get to avoid uh the Bucks to the to the conference finals. They may run into Boston in that second round. That could be a very nice matchup. But uh, you know, I think like I said both of those teams. I think Boston is. It's been very important that Boston has re- had really a, a less than turbulent season this year, coming off of their run with uh, Irving, Kyrie, and you know the drama that he brought to that franchise. That's been put out the put behind them, and you know bringing in uh, bringing in uh, Kemba. You know he's really been a good replacement. On a spiritual level, as well as on the on a straight ball playing level, they've been you no know, even before the hiatus. They they were a team that people were looking at and saying, "Okay, they're playing well and they don't have much drama about them. Let's see how things go for them." And and in the bubble so far, they've been looking well. You know, they got you know Brown and they and and uh, oh, I keep forgetting names. I'm, I'm I'm getting old, man. Well. <laughs> My man from Duke, Tatum. Oh, Tatum, yeah. Yeah. Tatum is a guy who he 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 can he's shown himself in, in big playoff games already. So he's a guy who's not gonna be scared of any of these games either. And I think Brown is gonna be much the same way. He's got a little more he can prove, but I it, it's it's hard not to like that roster as well, up and down. And and you know the they got the they got the energy, but experience now as well. So, youthful energy plus experience is a good thing. I I, I like to see from that team. So, it'll be interesting. And then, I you know, like Chris said, the East is top heavy. You can't really expect any upsets, but you know we got we'll see how that how things play into the second round going forward uh, with the East. But uh, yeah, let's go. Uh, like I said, let's go into uh, first the bubble, the first the bubble stuff, the the bubble all bubble team, and then we'll look at the yearly, the big yearly candidates for the yearly awards. Well, uh, I I put I, uh, in our little group on Twitter, I brought up the uh, Chris Sheridan piece where he laid out his all bubble team. Uh, he had a five, like five guys he laid out for the All Bubble team. Wrote this for Forbes, and I'm gonna go over his team, and let's see if we agree or disagree with him on these picks. He's got Devin Booker, um, T.J. Warren, Luka Doncic, Michael Porter Jr., and I skipped over somebody. Damian Lillard, yeah. 
So I think that's that's a pretty solid group there. I think I'd give a four, definitely. Um, I don't know if – I guess, you know, Porter may be the guy who I would argue with most. most but, you know, what do you think about that, that five as an all-bubble team? Who else would you – who, if anyone else, would you uh, advocate for an all-bubble team? Man, um, I pretty much mess with that roster. Um, I'm more of the Porter, Michael Porter Jr. guy than you are in this specific situation. So um, I like that he's in there. Got Obviously, Damian Lillard has to be in there. Um, TJ Warren for sure has to be in there. Um, I know. You, I think you said it's Luca, and who's the other guy? Luca. Uh, is it Luke? Yeah, Luca, TJ, um, Damian, and Port. Uh, not uh, Booker. Booker. Oh, Booker. Yeah, yeah. Those are the, those are the yeah. main five that I can I can definitely see. You could potentially substitute Luca for maybe like Giannis or someone like that that you know has been sort of dominant. Um, maybe Anthony Davis. I don't know, but. I yeah, see, my, my only thing, right. yeah, yeah, Chris, I mean, you know, Chris Shannon knows what you're talking about with, with the league, of course. So, my only thing is, I, I still look at like all teams like this, like, I gotta have like a big, big man, like, you know, mm. so that team doesn't really have a big man. So, like, I'm looking like, okay, what about an Anthony Davis or, you know, maybe even a Porzingis or somebody or, or, or a uh, or Giannis, or you know, just try to think of some of the bigger men, the real big men out there who who have played well in the bubble. But you know, Warren, I mean, uh, you know, Paul has definitely done his thing in the bubble as well. So if you look, if you're looking at it, you know, and, and, mo- and most a lot of people would are inclined to think of it this way, positionless. You know, that probably is a, a good. That probably is the top five players in the bubble when you look at what they've been able to produce and everything over these games, you know, but you know, it's, it's, I'm, I'm willing, I'm, like, I'm willing to ride with that. It, it, I think, like, but I say, if you made it more of a traditional team where you had two guards, two forwards and a center, you know, thinking of the centers, I probably would go with like an AD or something uh, to that degree, but you know, it's, it's cool. But, uh, and I think we, we already took mentioned like, the MVP would probably be Lillard, right? You go with Lillard for MVP, or would you go with anyone else? I mean, I think, honestly, that's what's going to determine that is if he wins this play-in, this yeah. play-in game. Um, if I, outside of that, I think he definitely should get it. Um, I won't even be surprised if, if, if they even gave it to, like, a Devin Booker since they did go undefeated in the bubble. They may not be in the playoffs. But yeah, they did go under. If you're talking about just the bubble itself, I mean, they went undefeated. They're the only team to do that. So that's that's a lot of consideration to put into when you're talking about just the bubble success as a whole. Yeah, that's that's a good that's that's a good point. Like if you you lead your team undefeated, if you're talking about an award that's based just on the bubble play, you definitely should consider uh, Booker in that because he's the leading guy on the team that's played the best in the bubble. So yeah, 
I think those are probably the only two choices you got, Booker or Lillard. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I'm trying to get up these uh, uh, finalists, these award finalists. Give me a second there. Okay, here we go. Got this from a tweet from Casey Johnson. And um, now these award finalists, these are these are the traditional NBA awards that you know are given out every year. And this is based on the play going back to the regular season throughout through uh 2019 into 2020. And uh we look at the three finalists for all the major awards. First, the MVP, you got Giannis, James Harden, and LeBron. For Rookie of the Year, you got Ja Morant, Chicago's own Kendrick Nunn, and Zion Williamson. For Most Improved Player, you got Bam Adebayo, Luka Doncic, and Brandon Ingram. For Defensive Player of the Year, you got Giannis, Anthony Davis and Rudy Gobert, who's won it, I think, what, twice already, mm-hmm. won that award. Sixth man of the year, Montrez Harrell and Lou Williams, both from the Clippers. Dennis Schroeder from Oklahoma City. And coach of the year, the finalists are Budenholzer, Mike Budenholzer for the Bucks, Nick Nurse from the Raptors, and Billy Donovan from uh, Oklahoma City. So, uh, you know, anything jumps out with you for those finalists for those awards? Um, if you want to talk about my individual p- picks or predictions that I would say for each individual, um, MVP, I would give it to LeBron James. Um, LeBron, number one in the West, led the league in assists this year, which is something he's never done. Um, and the fact that he's in year 17 and he basically elevated a Lakers team that with, with the whole revamped roster, which is unfortunately something he knows all too well. And um, he brought that Lakers team to the number one team, number one team in the West. Um, it's tough to do. West is a tougher conference. And LeBron is still producing at a high level, even in year 17. Um, I think yes, I think that's well-deserving. I, obviously, I know most likely Giannis will win it. That's what most people predict that will win it and would choose to win it. And rightfully so, he is deserving of it. They have the best record in the NBA. He's improved on top of his MVP season from last year. So yeah, some key been, numbers. He's been better. Yeah, he's been better. So you can't argue that for sure. And I'm and I'm not against it. But if I had to talk about impact, which is the most valuable component of it, if you take the if you take Giannis off the Bucks, yeah, they'll struggle, but I think they'll still pray be somewhat consistent. You take LeBron off the Lakers, they may you may be looking at a below five hundred team, and that's unfortunately yeah. the reality of every team, almost every team LeBron's been on. So, I think LeBron James at this point, he's for sure my the MVP, my MVP uh, pick. Um, defensive Player of the Year, I'm giving it to Anthony Davis. Um, Anthony Davis has shown more on the defensive end that he is uh, that he can handle his own. Um, obviously, we know Rudy Gobert has, but I mean, he's won it for two straight years. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, obviously, you got to give it to that. You got to give him credit for that. Giannis, I'm he's uh, he's a monster, but he, I'm pretty sure he's gonna win MVP. Anthony Davis is everything, uh, defensive player of the year just because of the fact that 
he's like I said, he's on the same team as LeBron, number one team in the West. But his defensive numbers improved from last year. And because of that, they helped the Lakers improve defensively throughout the season before the before the bubble itself. Um so Anthony Davis. You talk about impact. Look at what the Lakers did last year as a defensive unit and what how much he improved them but you no know, his his presence, you know, overall improving that team defensively. That's that's probably the best argument for Davis right there. He's done pretty much the same stuff he's always done, but he's made that Lakers team into an elite defensive team pretty much by himself. Yeah, so for me, I got to go with the Chicago native, Anthony Davis, for the defensive player of the year. Uh, most improved for me is Brandon Ingram. Uh, Brandon Ingram definitely took his game to the next level, um, became a 25-point scorer, and really start to mature into the Kevin Durant-esque type of skill set that he has for this New Orleans Pelicans team. Um, him going to New Orleans was probably the best thing that ever happened for him just because he needed a fresh start. He was pressured since he was drafted by the Lakers. Um, yeah. It was expecting him to be Kevin Durant-like since he got into the as soon as he got into the league and pairing him up with Lonzo Ball and then the fact that LeBron came through, they thought that should he should be thriving. But – they all rookies like they when they enter the league they have their they have their uh, their tough times and they hit their walls and they try to figure out ways to improve on themselves throughout all the hardships and it was I think for him there's just so much chaos being a Laker that when it was when he actually got traded to New Orleans it brought peace to his life it was a new fresh start for him and for him to continue to do that and develop on the court that's where he just took things to another level and. Um, he just he just exploded. He became an all star this year. So because of that, yeah. anytime you come from a a regular considered average player to becoming an all star, and within that one year and taking that next step, you got to give all that consideration to the most improved player of the year. Even though I do love what Bam Adebayo is doing, being that key defensive uh, that key presence and that key go to option for the Miami Heat, um, helping the Miami Heat in a big way be the top four or five seed in the East. Um, but you got to give your props to Brandon Ingram to being the most improved player of the year uh, for this year. I like Bam in that in that category as well. But I agree with you about about Brandon Ingram, and um, he's probably got the best story of the three. And he he's he showed quite a bit, you know, as, as far as being a leader and contributing even in less than ideal situation. In the bubble, he showed quite a bit as well with uh, with New Orleans. You know, they were going back and forth with with how they were using Zion, but he was, you know, he was pretty much the steady guy for them in these games. He, you know, it didn't lead to the wins that they wanted, but he, I think, he showed more of his maturation in the bubble as well. Right, quick, I, I don't, I don't know. I think some people mentioned like they maybe did a little too much with putting Luca as a finalist and the thing and I kind of agree with that because we know who Luca is. Luca is the, is crazy good. But he's he was kind of crazy good last year. And it's like we talk about it most improved. I think it's hard to put a guy in from a rookie year to a second year unless it's a meteoric thing, you know, to put somebody up for that award in the second year. I don't know about that. I think it's I think that award should be more for a mid career guy or a guy 
who's done who's maybe closer to the end of that rookie contract who may have shown that in the, over the course of that contract that they've really made something of themselves or, or or like i said a guy who's even older who may have fell off on some level like you know like we was talking a lot about rose prior to the bubble uh, about him being maybe a most improved guy and uh you know maybe you know that's the type of thing i think that award is for more so than propping up a, a young guy who we know is is good already and he may not be elite yet but he's getting there and we know he's getting there you know he just says you know i don't know but i i you know luke is definitely i think by next year he'll probably be a finalist for mvp but you know yeah. maybe yeah, yeah i don't know about the most improved for him no nah, you can't it, be most improved when you're the face of a franchise like that um, he came in being drafted as they know he's going to be like the foundational piece and fr- face of the franchise. Yeah. Um, so you already got that responsibility, and he performed. And he didn't perform like a rookie last year. No. So you you can't put that type of talent, and even though he has added and improved to that game to that component based on yeah. the numbers he put up this year. Nah, that you, when you like you said when you compare most improved, you want to talk about drastic change drastic improvement take literally taken from one step to a whole nother level of of competition and we saw that with bi we saw that with brandon ingram jimmy butler those type of guys that actually took on those roles and took took things to the to another level so those like you said those are more for those type of stories and those types of uh elevations from a talent perspective that we that that deserve that type of reward and this year for me is brandon ingram yeah yeah look at the rookie right quick this this probably it, it looks like it's gonna be dry easy because you know zion didn't get enough time to play um right. but you no know, it's, it's nice that they recognize a kendrick you know i'm sure you like that oh yeah most definitely kendrick none was one of these undrafted stars that came that really shocked the world, um, quite frankly, when the season started. And we got to give props to Kendrick because the way Kendrick's playing right now or has played all throughout the season, he's been doing that since Simeon. Like, yeah. that's nothing new to him. We, it's just that he was never he had the chance or had the opportunity to try to excel and take advantage of. And the fact that the Miami Heat gave, one, gave him one, he – I think the situation fit him perfectly for that to happen because that's what Miami is known for. They're known for developing talent and building on top of the talent that they already have ever since they drafted Dwayne Wade and the existence of Pat Riley. So, yeah, definitely. So because of that, it was a perfect ideal situation for Kendrick Nunn to be who he, who we know he can be. And the fact that they embraced that and the team allowed him to do that, it took him to a level where, now he he's known. He's considered one of the top young guys in this league. So we got to give Miami Heat props for that, and we got to give a shout out to shout out to Kendrick Nunn as a, as a Chicago Southside native to just continue to be who he is and who we know he he could be and and obviously was since his beginning of stardom. Yeah, I mean Kendrick's story is is interesting because, like you said, he was a star. Simeon, he comes out. There he's he's put he's down in Champagne, becomes a key part of that team. But the but that 
that program wasn't doing nothing with him. And, you know, he was producing, but they were in a bad place. They changed coaches and stuff, but he finds himself in a position where he feels he has to move to another spot in order to showcase himself more for the league. So he goes to Oakland, Oakland, Michigan, not Oakland, California. And he tries, you know, he shows himself there and, but he put, he makes himself from a big school guy to a little school guy. So that impacts his stock in the draft. And it winds up being a risk that pays off big time because instead of him being maybe sticking at Illinois and maybe being drafted like in the late first round or early second or something for a team that maybe couldn't uh, develop him that well, you know, uh, he go he goes undrafted, but he goes to one of the best franchises in the league for developing players in Miami, and and uh, you know some I guess there's you know I guess there's some injury issues and stuff that allowed him to get more time early on in the season as well. He gets the time that he needs to be on the court. He takes the takes full advantage of it, and he was one really a standout guy uh, at the at that beginning part of the season. And uh, you know it's good that though know, he still is being recognized uh, at at this you know through so much has happened since then, but he's still being recognized. He's not he hadn't been forgotten about. So yeah, I, I, I'm I'm definitely looking forward to seeing how he's going to continue to uh, develop down there in Miami. He could be a guy that could be real important for some winning teams down there in South Florida. So you know definitely big ups to big ups to Kendrick there. And um, I, yeah, just look at the remaining awards. Six men, uh, you know, Lou, Lou is, is it won that award before. I think may, maybe that may that may work out in Montrez's uh, uh, favor that Lou has won before, and also that Lou is you know he's he's made himself into a hot wing all star now. So, <laughs> man, <maybe, laughs> although that's if that's going to impact him in, in any way. If, sure. they had a, if they had an award for craziest instances in the bubble, <laughs> yeah, that should be a bubble. A, yeah. It should be. I mean, this we had plenty of instances where people were going crazy and getting in trouble for simple stuff. I mean, dude was right. people were getting in trouble for postmates. <laughs> I mean, right. people he got yeah, he was, like, yeah, homes over there in Sacramento. He, he'd be a finalist for that. Yeah, right. So crazy I mean, bubble make, story. <laughs> yeah, you can definitely make a make an award for that for sure. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting that the Clippers got two people in that finals and it shows how you know deep they can they can be. Is they've they've had some issues in the bubble, but you know, if they if they're all healthy, you know, that's a team that comes at you in waves in a lot of ways and, and they've they've gotten them you know, one of the Morris brothers since then, since the you know, beginning of the season, got the one of the Morris Brothers in I was in Marquis for I think Marquis, but uh and got Noah too. So it's like they got they just got a deep rotation and they have two guys. You know it's six man of the year. So you talk about a six and seventh man <laughs> for <laughs> for the Clippers. They get they giving them you know they giving them two six men. So it's like it, it's kind of, that's just interesting to me. The Schrader is is a nice story too because he was a guy who you know. 
I think a lot of people were sort of iffy on him in Atlanta. He and then he gets included in a in a deal going over there to Oklahoma City. And Oklahoma City goes through all this type of change, you know, with Westbrook getting moved out and you know CP3 comes in and the difference that he's made just with all those all their young guys with young guys and, and and pieces that people weren't too high on entering the season but that team has been made to a contender again that's why too with coach of the year I'm kind of inclined to say that Donovan even though you got two great coaches from the east alongside him I mean, Donovan is a guy who a year or so ago, I bet I would have probably said he needs to go back to college. But this mm-hmm. year, he's really been impressive in just allowing that team to develop and, and allowing CP3 the space to do his thing. And, you know, like I said, they've, they've just been really impressive. And they're a top, you know, arguably a top, they're, I think they're the fifth team, but they're arguably a top four team in the West. Yeah, if you but if you're gonna if you're going to put Don, Billy Donovan in that coach of the year, um, you know, conversation, you got to put yeah. Chris Paul in MVP conversation because mm-hmm. Chris Paul's leadership was the big was one of the biggest factors to this team's success, um, and you highlighted every reason why. And one of the biggest components is because players developed in ways we didn't think they could to where they became very productive. And that's an yeah. ideal situation for Dennis Schroeder. Honestly, Schroeder should be the sixth man of the year, in my opinion, because of that. No one expected him to be the the sixth man coming off that bench to be a backup point guard, especially when he first got – I mean, when he first got traded, there was even a conversation about having him play the two guard while Russell was playing, while Russell was playing point guard at one point in time. You're right, um, yeah. So he, when he first got there, he may not even be originally viewed as a backup point guard. When he coming out because of his scoring ability in Atlanta, you really wondered if he ever actually was a point guard. He was more of a combination guard. But yeah, now, that was one of the big things with him. Like he was yep. one dimensional. He's not a guy you could run an offense through. But you know, it's changed. Yeah, it's, it's changed, and Chris Paul is, is one of the main reasons why. Um, I think also having Shea Alexander there, being a young guy learning from both Schroeder's and Chris Paul's uh, my mentality and game sets. That helps him develop a lot. And the fact that Billy Donovan was able to manage that, I actually view this team like a college team just because of the mm-hmm. fact that it's fresh. It was, it was a fresh start for Billy Donovan. And he, the players that were brought in were younger. And, they, and they, you brought in veterans that were flexible. Players like Danilo Gallinari, flexible. Um, yeah. Guys like Steven Adams where they know their roles, flexible. You know, having those guys and you drafting uh, Darius Baisley, who was a high school guy that was supposed to go to college, but took the internship route and ended up getting drafted um, by the Oklahoma City Thunder in the second round. And then you have Chris Paul, who understood that and was and his willingness to stay competitive, but take on that mentorship role to help yeah. aid these young guys into the positions that they are now. I would give the coaching coach the coach of the year award to Billy Donovan as well as the MVP to Chris Paul if Chris Paul was a candidate and he rightfully deserves so just because of that um if anything it really trumped the narrative that Chris Paul can be more than just the, the you know one of the top guards in the league that people revered him that I mean after obviously at this point in, in his stage in his career 
you would think he would want to win a title with other superstars. Yeah. But I think his willingness to accept and he had fight. that he had that shot in Houston. He was with yeah. a superstar, but that it, it, see that's the thing I think that sort of hurts CP3 is the way that he's seen as a nuisance in a lot of ways on the court and off the court. Like he's had, you know, it, he, he plays the bad guy role, uh, you know, and he doesn't do it in a, in a way that, you know, where he's trying to do it. He just happens to get these positions where like the other day where he, he got to it with Butler <laughs> and, you know, he kind of bullied uh, Robinson a little bit and then Butler had yep. to step up. Like that's the type of way that people think, of CP3 in a lot of in a lot of uh, in a lot of context, so I think in that when you when you apply that thinking, I think that's the sort of thing that hurts him for getting consideration for awards like MVP. But like I agree with you, like he's probably meant the most to his team outside of a LeBron, you know, or or Giannis. When you talk about taking him away from that team, what would that mean for that team? How many more losses would they get? CP3 is definitely up there as as a trans as a transformational player on his on his squad. Yeah, I agree. And the fact that Oklahoma City um, reshaped and revitalized and rebuilt itself from the original foundation that they built all those years ago, you have to give you have to give um, the Thunder credit. You got to give Sam Presti credit for just taking the charge to do it. Um, and you got to give Chris Paul credit from his willingness to take on that mantle, take on that role, and adjust in the way that he needed to adjust so that way he can efficiently lead this team. And you got to get, and like you mentioned earlier, you got to give Billy Donovan credit for not just tolerating it, but also working with Chris Paul to make it the team that it is now. And I think the fact that this is a younger team and Chris Paul understanding that and changing his and potentially changing whatever leadership style that he's accustomed to, showing his showing it shows a diversity and leadership. Also shows that it made I think that made Billy Donovan more comfortable, and the fact that he doesn't have to now deal with heavy-headed superstars constantly clashing or constantly going at each other, and even potentially constantly going at it with him that we may not know about. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I think that really made him more comfortable in his coaching role, and in where we got to see him sort of blossom and that actually helped his case as an NBA coach. Yeah, definitely. Good. Well said, Josh. And, and when you think of you think of CP3 much more of a coach on the court than than Russell ever could be, you know, but Russell, he's been him and 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 Harden have vibed more this season than maybe could even be expected. So again, go, going back to that matchup the, all the, the ways that they intersect, those two franchises intersect, the talents that they've exchanged and stuff over the years definitely makes that to be potentially the most entertaining first-round matchup because they, they got so much history uh, between them, Houston and Oklahoma City does. So that's where we're at right now, man. The postseason is here. The NBA continues to rock down in the bubble, man, and, you know, pe- nobody's sick, you know, some people have tried. <laughs> Nobody's sick, and uh, it's it's great to see. You know, it's great to see that the NBA has maintained itself as it has, and is giving us a chance now to really see 
on a legit side who's who was the who was the best team this year. It was it's not the same as if they were if they would have been able to play through the spring and play in, in all their home arenas and do the back and forth like we normally see. It's a different thing. But these teams have come down there to Orlando. They played hard. They they played like they're playing like they really want to see who's the best out of each other. And this is it's for the best for all of us and, and watching and observing. So I'm definitely looking to see, starting with this playing game this weekend, you know, who's going to make it and, and who's going to go fishing before everyone else. You know, it's now's the time that you got to put up or shut up, you know. So this is that time of the year. It, it's come later than, than we typically get it, but we, it's that, that most wonderful time of the year now where we really see who who's who in the NBA and who's who's uh, going to make it to immortality, you know, and, and, and get to raise up Larry O'Brien. Yep, that's true. I'm looking forward to it. And this year has is going to be one of the most exciting playoffs we had in a very long time, especially um, from a West Western Conference perspective. I'm interested to see. Um, I'm interested to see what each uh, series, you know, comes uh, brings to the table. And obviously, we'll be back on Running the War talking about it, like yeah. we always do. But I'm I'm really excited to actually, especially in this case. Have more of a uh, more of a role in being more of a fan and watching it while also analyzing it. I think in previous years since the pandemic, since we've been on the go with a lot of our work, we haven't had a chance to really just sit that sit back and just watch it, watch everything and just an, and instead of just analyzing everything, just enjoy what we're witnessing. And yeah, this is one of those moments where this year with not much going on now because of the pandemic, um, we can actually sit down and actually watch and really embrace what we're witnessing um, from a playoffs perspective. And this year's, I don't think this year's going to disappoint at all. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Thanks, man. Once again, enjoy talking with you. And, uh, you know, it's, it's pretty cool to be able to talk one-on-one -on -one for the most part. We're glad that Chris jumped in, too. But, uh, you know, we should have at least the three-man formation, if not the four-man formation, back at it next week. Uh, with with more running with war, and uh, it definitely uh, check us out with that uh, streaming live on YouTube and uh, replay later on on a warm anchor, and uh, definitely check out Josh's in the scope podcast this week. We'll be talking to uh, well, yeah, go ahead, you, you plug it yourself, man. With let us know what uh, we're gonna have on the ITS this week. Yes, sir. ITS this week we have uh, Bruce Douglas. He's actually a pastor now, but he's a former player out of Quincy High School. Went to U of I. Um, one of the, played on one of the most legendary Big Ten teams with Coach Lou Henson, who unfortunately died within uh, the past couple weeks. Yeah. Um, so we want to obviously, obviously send his condolences to him and to him and his uh, his wife and his family. But um, Bruce is going to hop on the podcast to talk about his life and time at U of I. What was it like playing for Coach Henson, and obviously post, um, post pandemic, what he's doing right now as a pastor of a church. So um, that's definitely uh, good to see. And next week I have a very special guest that 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 has come on. Um, we got an ESPN rep that has come on the scene, uh, talked a little NBA and culture life. Are you gonna tease us? 
So I'm gonna tease you guys a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> but that's but definitely be on the lookout well, for that too. I'll at, I'll at least get to find out before the rest of y'all. So <laughs> yeah, kind of don't have a choice with that one, boss. <laughs> yeah, right. So I'm I'm not mad at you. I, that's good to hear, man. I in the scope podcast every Friday on uh on uh one anchor and also on sports zone chicago you can hear uh hear it live uh friday afternoons so uh definitely there's multiple ways to check out my man and uh yeah we'll uh we'll be back at it next week with this show uh once again you can follow me work underscore right on twitter uh k mean on uh, instagram and uh on uh, all Regal platforms, we are Regal Radio. Search, uh, and you will find what we do. So, uh, you know, keep supporting, keep sh- sharing our stuff if you, if you like it. Even if you don't like it, you can share us as well. Subscribe to us. Subscribe to us on YouTube here. Uh, we, we're keeping on every week bringing you new s- live streams and, and stuff, um, interesting interviews with people in sports and even out of sports. You know, I've been able to talk to a couple of rappers this week, and Mike Terra and uh, uh, Fillmore Green, our homeboy Fillmore. Shout out to those guys. Uh, you know, we're going to keep doing some interesting things on, on the culture side along with the sports side. So we just, you know, making our, making the most that we can of this time, this unique time, and, uh, you know, giving you content that you need and deserve as well as uh, thirst for. So, you know, Josh – Appreciate you, man. And uh yeah, we'll uh we'll get back at you next week. Keep bouncing, y'all, and uh enjoy the playoffs.